0: Well, greetings from Atlanta, and welcome to this edition of Quick Reads, part of the Next Leader Idea Portal at ideas.nextleader.com. I'm Steve Moore, and it's my privilege to serve the Association for Biblical Higher Education as Executive Director of Next Leader. All great leaders are great learners, and Quick Reads is our way of accelerating your learning journey by introducing you to the best information in books we like. That includes a brief summary of the book, followed by the best chapter, the best quotes, the best illustration, the best idea, and the best takeaway. And whenever possible, we like to add a conversation with the author. In today's edition of Quick Reads, I'm pleased to speak with Sheila Heen about the book she co-authored with Douglas Stone. Thanks for the feedback. The art and science of receiving feedback well. Sheila is a lecturer at Harvard Law School and founder of Triad Consulting Group. She has a global footprint with her clients and the list is long. Uh, Many major companies you would easily recognize. Uh, She often works with executive teams to engage conflict productively, repair working relationships, make good decisions, and help them execute change in complex organizations. A point of interest for us, Sheila spent a three-year project working with a seminary and a group of six theologians exploring their understanding of the nature of truth and God. And on the back end of our uh, conversation today, I'm going to give Sheila the opportunity to talk about a specific resource connected to this book for the faith community. Sheila, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today.
1: Well, I'm absolutely delighted to be here.
0: Great. lot to cover here, so I'm going to just jump right into this. Uh You identify three feedback triggers that could be signals to information that uh, helps us understand some of the source of the trouble we're having and just like to ask you to start us off by uh just sharing what those uh feedback triggers are and how they affect us.
1: Well, you know, I'm glad you asked because I think that at least theoretically we should welcome feedback. We know it's good for us. We can think back and identify feedback that's really actually helped us learn and grow. And yet, as individuals and as leaders, we often have triggered reactions to the feedback we get. So, in listening to people's triggered reactions, what we came to is that there are really three kinds of triggered reactions we have as human beings when we get feedback, direct or indirect. The first is what we call truth triggers. This has everything to do with, well, is that true about me? Is it accurate? We're evaluating the content of the feedback itself and how apt it is or accurate it is about us. But the second kind is what we call a relationship trigger. This has everything to do with who is giving us the feedback. And often we'll have a bigger reaction to the who than we do to the what. I don't like them, they've got their own agenda, et cetera. And then the third kind of trigger is what we call an identity trigger. This has everything to do with the story we tell about who we are and also our particular sensitivity to feedback. One of the interesting things we found in doing this research is that individual sensitivity to feedback, meaning how upset we get and how long it takes us to recover, can vary by up to 3,000%.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Uh, I'm going to restrain myself from a a lot of follow-up questions because I have a lot of other questions that I want to ask here. So let me jump into our next one. Uh, We all swim in an ocean of feedback, and you describe it generally as any information you get about yourself. In the broadest sense, it's how we learn about ourselves from our experiences, from other people. But you identify three specific kinds or categories of feedback. Say a little bit about what those are and how they're different.
1: Yeah, we toss around this word feedback as if we know what we're talking about, but what's interesting is that there are three different kinds of feedback, and each actually serves different purposes. The easy way to remember them is the acronym ACE, A-C-E. So the first is appreciation. Appreciation just lets us know, you know, that we're seen, that our efforts are valued. And often when people say, I wish I got more feedback, what they really mean is I wish somebody noticed all Mm -hmm. that I'm doing. The second is coaching. Coaching is anything aimed at trying to help you get better at something, be more effective, efficient, um, improve your skills or your knowledge. So that's really the main engine for learning. But then there's the third kind, which is evaluation. Evaluation rates, right, ranks, assesses us, it judges us. And so evaluation is what we say is the most emotionally loud. We have the biggest reaction to it. And so often it can drown out the coaching that actually would help us improve now it's not that evaluation necessarily is bad because we need it to know where we stand and what we should work on and what to expect um, however it is the hardest for us to take and it, it's the one that people usually say you know what I get plenty of evaluation in my life what I really would like more of is more coaching and more appreciation We actually need all three in order to learn and grow, just in different measures and at different times.
0: Hmm. Uh, I found that framework extremely helpful, and it's guided me even in some of the most informal relationships in my family.
1: Steve, I often think that uh, being underappreciated is synonymous with being married, right? (laughs) We each feel the other is underappreciating all that we're doing. Oh, my. I really am glad you brought that up, because... What's interesting to me is that we get feedback in every aspect of our lives from everyone around us, so it affects the health of all of our
0: relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually read this book, uh, which I absolutely loved, On Vacation. I had a lot of time with my wife, and when I asked her in our conversation, are you coaching me right now or are you evaluating me right now? And she looked at me and said, <laughs> what kind of a question is that for the conversation that we're having? And then we had a great conversation about your book, and then she read it. Okay, let me jump in back in here. One of my uh, favorite chapters is the the chapter four that deals with uh, see your blind spots. This is absolutely revolutionary information for anyone and especially for leaders. You say a blind spot is something we don't see about ourselves that others do see. Although I want to dig a little deeper in here because you also talk about three what you call blind spot amplifiers and I think this is especially important information to kind of tag onto this conversation. So talk a little bit about what those are and why they're important.
1: Yeah, when we take a look at why is it that this is a blind spot for us or in what ways is that gap amplified, um, three things play a role. The first is what we call emotional math. What happens is that when we have, say, an outburst, or we get frustrated or angry with someone else, afterwards, we would say, well, obviously, that's not who I am. My anger is not who I am. That's like an exception to who I am. We subtract the emotion from the equation. The problem is that the person on the other side of that anger doubles it. So in other mm-hmm. words, to them, your anger is exactly who you are. It's the biggest thing about you because it's the thing that affects them the most. It exacerbates the mm-hmm. gap between how we see ourselves and how they see us. Um, the second kind of amplifier is what we call situation versus character. Often in those situations, we will attribute our emotional reaction to the situation. Well, it was just a tense situation. They attribute it to our character. It's who we are and it's because of who we are that we behaved that way. And the third amplifier is this intention impact, which is that we expect that our good intentions by which we're judging ourselves, should in some way erase or sanitize any bad impact. As soon as I explain to you that, oh, I didn't mean to offend you, I didn't mean to leave you out, then you shouldn't be left out. But of course, good intentions don't erase or sanitize a bad impact. Both can be true, and both are important to hold as equally important to deal with.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to jump into the next question here. Talk a little bit about the second score, what it is and how to use it, why it's important.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you asked us because this has made a big difference for me in my life. The idea behind the score, quote-unquote, is that there are times where we get evaluation that's quite upsetting. It's disappointing, we're upset with ourselves, and it's easy to let that score or evaluation define who we are and the idea here is actually what's more important is in this next phase how are you going to respond to that are you going to use it as impetus to actually work on something that maybe needs work Um, or are you going to say well I'm just not good at that Um, if you really want to be good at that or need to be good at that as a leader That first evaluation should actually be the causes you to really dig in and say, all right, here's something I really need to learn. And the second score is how you handle that first score, which is at the end of it, did you use it in the next phase as an impetus to actually improve
0: well, it's just so powerful to remember the part of this high control is how I respond and I'm going to grade myself and get intentional about thinking it.
1: Well, the thing that we left out of the discussion is it's not just things to learn. It's also loss. It's a divorce. It's mm-hmm. a death in your family. It's mm-hmm. it's handling losing your job. I don't have necessarily control about what has happened, but I do have some control about what help I get so that I handle it well. We're not just talking about skills. We're also talking about who we are. Mm
0: -hmm. Very practical tip. Uh, I want to end with one question that I I think will be of particular interest to most of the people who are listening to this who are in a higher education space working with next generation leaders in one way or another. If you were talking to a group of next generation leaders uh, and I'm sure you're aware of the the, inform- the research that suggests many of them are, are more at home looking into a screen than they are another person's face. What advice would you give those next-generation leaders about how important this issue of receiving feedback well really is?
1: I think everybody comes into new roles with a set of strengths and a set of gaps and it could be that next generation leaders have a particular profile um, what's interesting is that the social part of social media means that sometimes they actually have quite a bit of savvy in relationships it's just relationships that are not necessarily the kinds that help you manage a team in person etc and choosing mm-hmm. when can I have this conversation over email and when should I either pick up the phone or have the conversation in person
0: mm-hmm I came across the quote from John Ortberg recently that said, The truth about you is that you don't know the truth about you. And, <laughs> and the only way you can get it, of course, is is feedback. So this is just such a, a critical topic. Before I let you go, uh, most of our audience comes from a, a faith-based community and would be interested to know uh, that you also released a study guide that uh, is kind of a companion to this book called Thank God for the Feedback. Say a little bit more about your vision for how that can be used.
1: Yeah, so... When Doug Stone and I wrote Thanks for the Feedback, we were really writing it for a lay audience, a secular audience. Once we were finished, it occurred to me that the core tension around feedback, which is that all of us have a couple of core human needs to be to learn and grow, which is very satisfying and um, is a big piece of happiness in life, but also to be accepted and respected and loved the way we are now which creates this dilemma for us around feedback, that that core set of human needs are really reconciled in the Christian walk, that God accepts us just the way that we are now, but he also expects us to continue to learn and grow. And so I teamed up with a partner of mine named Elaine Lynn, and she and I went through and looked at where the scriptural pieces that link to each of these chapters, and Um, We created a small group Bible study that is a companion to the Thanks for the Feedback book that takes a look from a Christian perspective, how do we help each other process the feedback that we get and think about how is it that these practices and principles can help not just my personal and my professional growth, but also my spiritual growth.
0: Mm. Well, uh, I don't mean this in a, a coy or silly way, but I, I have some feedback for you, and it's in the category of appreciation to say thank <laughs> you for writing this book. Uh, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I, I just digested it, then went back through it, uh, then my wife went through it, and we talked about it. I've bought it as gifts for several people, uh, and I'm sure there's more to come. I just feel like this is such an incredibly powerful uh, topic, and you have addressed it in such a uh, an accessible, practical, readable way. The book, again, is Thanks for the Feedback, The Art and Science of Receiving Feedback Well. I encourage you to get a copy for yourself. Uh, after that, I'm sure you're going to think of some other people who could benefit from it highly recommend it. Sheila, thank you so much for taking time to to talk with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure.
0: Thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, We'll be back with another Quick Reads for you soon.